people always say that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the capacity to take action in spite of fear. Welcome to the new Nomad podcast, hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border remote work lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast. We have a very interesting guest today. Andy Malinsky was gonna, is going to join us to talk about, I would say, cross-cultural psychology, adaptation behavior, comfort zones. He's, he's the author of Reach and Global Dexterity. So I think we're going to have a great conversation today. But before we get to him, we'd like to bring in Andrew Jernigan. Uh, and Andrew, as a co-host, you know, you and I have talked in the past about getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of the bubble. I, I know this is an area that you share with our listeners quite a bit, uh, how important it is to actually kind of put yourself in, in an uncomfortable situation and gain confidence from it. Yeah. So, you know, this is an area I'm passionate about, passionate as a student so that I can apply it on a daily basis as we lead people across across continents as a company. But I've done it, lived across in cultures, went through a five-week residential program before my family moved to Ghana some almost 20 years ago, trying to prepare for this cross-cultural lifestyle that we were thinking, okay, we're going to live 30 years in Ghana running this hospital. So now as we lead this company, Alan, it is a pleasure to bring on one of the leading experts in the world on this. I've read his articles for years in Harvard Business Review, listen to him on podcasts, follow him religiously. It's great to have Andy on today with us. I, I just think this is a really important thing is most of our listeners who have moved to unique locations or living that you know, location-independent lifestyle they're often out of their comfort zone. That is a, a trait that um, really separates, you know, what all studies seem to indicate people that also have an adventurous mindset. So uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting conversation today. And, and with that, let's bring Andy in today and uh, welcome to the podcast. I, I know the lead in is kind of interesting because we really are excited about the times in our, our lives and careers that we've gotten outside the comfort zone. And I, I read your article, which I thought was really interesting is, you know, we're, we're more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. But usually that's after the fact you realize that. So I'd love to hear your comments on some of our early lead-ins here. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here uh, with you both. Um, yeah, comfort zones and resilience. I think resilience is like a muscle, to be honest. I, I sort of feel like, you know, confidence and resilience is a muscle. Uh, it needs some training. I imagine that after you've had your first experience, you know, when you first went to Ghana, let's say, not only learned some practical things, but also psychologically, emotionally started to feel a bit more of a sense of self-efficacy or confidence that you'd be capable of doing it again, even if you didn't know exactly what you needed to do. And I think that's what we mean in some ways by resilience. Um, you know, people always say that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the capacity to take action 
in spite of fear. So I think that's one thought that comes to me from hearing your intro. And thanks again for having me. It's kind of interesting also about global dexterity and kind of in different settings. I found that very interesting too. Could you expound a bit upon that also in global settings, how this might be different? I think that all of us in our native cultures, now I always have to be careful because not everyone has a single native culture. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are bicultural, multicultural, third culture kids, cosmopolitans, and so on. But let's just stick for a moment with a monocultural example. That's my story. You know, I'm, I'm monocultural. I'm from the United States. And within our own culture, I think that a lot of what we do comes instinctively, intuitively, and even unconsciously. We sort of master the norms and we sort of align our behavior to these norms and rituals in our everyday lives. But then when we cross cultures, <laughs> we encounter many situations that where the exact same situation is often done differently in another culture. It might be, you know, and I focus a lot on the style, the style, the expected style. So maybe you're supposed to speak or act more directly or less directly than you would in your native culture. Maybe your level of expressed emotion or enthusiasm is, is in the new culture should be higher or lower. Maybe um, formality is different. So you can tell, as we were talking before we got on, we were, we're all dressed very informally, me especially, <laughs> uh, but uh, in, in our work from home world. But um, formality can differ a, a lot across cultures. And so the point is, is that in my, my work, I talk about like the cultural code, let's say. And, and then I talk about your personal comfort zone. And then I also talk about the zone of appropriateness. So in a new culture, there'll be a code for any situation you're in. And there's a zone of appropriateness for where someone kind of needs to land to be effective and appropriate in the new culture. Now that might not match with your personal comfort zone. It might, by the way, it might, and parts of it might, but parts of it might not match. And in that case, you've somehow got to bridge that gap and step outside your comfort zone in that given situation, no matter what it is really. And I think that there's a collection of these kinds of situations that we encounter in our lives in a new culture. It could be personal, it could be academic, it could be professional, could be a combination of those. And so I think people are constantly forced outside their comfort zones in new cultures. So that's my sort of top level view. I reflect on that and think, okay, our comfort zones are stretched when we, you know, have someone into our house to paint our house. That's of a different religion, a different culture. They're in our personal space. I had that happen this week to where totally unique way of life, different from my own. And they were right inside my personal space. I learned a lot just from this painter that came from another way of life. And I think there's so much value in viewing each person, viewing each culture as something we can learn from, not necessarily different as we think it may be. How do you think as people are saying, I can work from anywhere, I think I'll move to Prague and keep my job going from there. Or I think I'll, you know, I've always dreamed of going to India. I love a good curry. Let's just pick up and go there. How do you think the companies are going to adapt to this? How do you think that, you know, they've been preparing international assignees very well over the years? Well, at least they've been preparing them somewhat well, I would say. But how do you feel that this is going to shift as the work from anywhere mentality kicks in in a higher gear and people are not really as as prepared as they should be. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, you know, the work from home or work from anywhere world aligning with the sort of selfpreneur, solopreneur, entrepreneur world, you know, that trend, it's sort of like these mega trends are kind of like combining. And then you've got a lot of people who are contractors 
who aren't tied to a company. I mean, you, you mentioned the companies preparing people, but a lot of people, and I imagine a lot of your listeners don't actually belong to a company. That's <laughs> you know, correct. That's correct. I imagine they're solopreneurs, right? And so not all, but but many, or they could be connected to a company to some degree, but could have a side hustle that ultimately becomes bigger than a side hustle. And so people are going to have much more complex and flexible work arrangements, just independent of where they're working. And then you add on that piece about where you're working, and then you layer on top of that technology and our level of comfort with technology. I mean, there are going to be a lot of meetings that would have just default happened in person where we now think to ourselves, well, this doesn't really have to happen in person. And and I think a lot of companies and a lot of people worried that they wouldn't be able to build trust across cultures virtually. I think that's been a big concern. I think that's one of the biggest reasons people actually go in person, whether it's to seal the deal to build the relationship, to solidify a network and so on. For all the awful things that COVID has wrought, one interesting sort of byproduct is this massive experiment <laughs> that we all have undergone. And from where I sit, and at least in my world and in my experience, I do feel that you can create trust and intimacy virtually. And so I think that that's going to have ramifications for a lot of things, including your idea of moving to India, wherever you're moving. I think that flexibility is only going to increase. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but that, those are some thoughts that come to me. So think about this, is when we're in this existence, well, for lack of a better word, this Zoom existence. It's a lot easier for me to stay in my personal comfort zone because I'm sitting in my own office here. Even though every day we're jetting about to different countries to have different people on our calls. And I know many of us are, are excited to start going and visiting again, not just because we do think it, to your point, leads to greater understanding and intimacy, but also just, you know, when we used to go on those visits, there were things that you would pick up in the culture that you just don't pick up looking at somebody's background on their on their Zoom call. So, you know, maybe in this post-pandemic world, you know, you had some great tips to step out of your personal comfort zone pre and during the pandemic. But, you know, I take it many of those are going to be picked up again. So if you could share a few of those, because I think the people we find that are most successful in dealing cross cultures are the ones that are actually willing to put themselves the most out there. I know it's a long question, but it finally got to the point is, you know, how are we going to get out of this Zoom world and back into the real world again? Yeah, I know it's a, it's a good question. I So I, I wrote the book Reach. My It came out in 2017. It was about stepping outside your comfort zone. And these kinds of topics are, have always been really interesting to me. So what I find is... In, in sort of in a nutshell, what distinguishes people from who are able to successfully step outside their comfort zone from those who aren't are basically three things. The first is a deep sense of conviction about why it is worth doing. And it sounds somewhat superficial or cliched to sort of, you know, what's your why and so on, but it actually is a really important thing. And it initial sense of your sense of your, your initial ideas about why it matters to you often are only the tip of the iceberg of why it really matters to you if you're able to put some careful thought and self-reflection around it. And the reason that that's important is that gives you wind at your back when you might be afraid in those feelings of anxiety or discomfort, whether it's about living or working somewhere that you're not used to, or simply being afraid that you're going to catch a disease or whatever it might be, that sense of conviction will help push you forward when part of you is sort of holding yourself back and protecting yourself. So that's what I would call conviction. The second 
piece that distinguishes people who are able to step outside their comfort zone successfully is what I call customization. And that's the idea that there's no one single way to do anything. We, you know, we customize so many things in our lives. And what I found in my book and, and I do in my teaching and training and all the work that I do is I help people learn to um, customize situations that are outside their comfort zones. And by customization, the best analogy I can use is like, if you go buy a pair of pants, it might not fit you perfectly off, off the rack or a blouse or whatever it might be, a piece of clothing. And you might go to a tailor and the tailor might adjust it slightly for you. And it's those slight modifications to make something fit for you that make you feel more comfortable. And probably ultimately, if we're bringing the metaphor back to comfort zones, will ultimately make it more likely that you'll take that leap and step outside your comfort zone. And there are a range of ways that people can customize through through what they say, through how they act, through the timing. A lot of the situations I work with people on are specific situations. I find that sometimes a prop, even like a, a physical prop, like something you wear, wear or dress or bring to a situation can make a difference. Like it's a wide range of things that you can use to customize your experience. It doesn't have to be massive. It can be slight, but meaningful. And that's the second thing that I find is really super helpful. So that's customization. The third is clarity. So we talked about conviction, um, customization, clarity. What clarity is, is sort of like some sense of emotional anchor, emotional equilibrium. And I find that sometimes when people are considering stepping outside their comfort zone, the anxiety makes them sway to extreme directions. You know, thinking of like the ultimate best case probably unrealistic case scenario. And then the ultimate worst case, probably also unrealistic worst case scenario. And that vacillation can be troubling and can ultimately kind of push us back towards our comfort zones. But if you can, I always think of this sense of clarity as sort of like normalizing the situation. Like it's not going to, you know, to really, to be able to approach and think about a situation in a normalized, reasonable way. It's almost like an emotional anchor. Imagine that the emotions are like this a sea and you're a boat. The sense of clarity is that anchor that anchors the boat in the ocean. So it's swaying a bit, but it's not swaying to those extremes. I found that people in my work, in my book, in my research that were able to have those three capacities, the clarity, the conviction, and customization, they were more able to take that leap. It's a long way of answering your question, but those are the three key criteria. I'll be honest. I'm one of those that tends to think that the best case scenario is going to happen, but then I have to sit there and say to myself, you know what? Let's not get carried away here. And then I travel with other people that, oh my God, we're going to lose our luggage. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a horrible experience. As time goes on, you teach yourself like, it's probably going to end up somewhere in the middle. Really like that, that comment. And I know, Andrew, you probably have had the similar experience because both of us really lit up when you brought up uh, that point. Yeah, I, I reflect on this because this is, you know, you've, you've done so much cultural work, Alan, and, and I look at it also through my lenses where I have spent long-term stays in different cultures throughout the last 27 years or so. And being an off-the-charts optimist, my first nature would be dependent on swing to the extremes. And as I hear you say that, Andy, it's it's over time, I've gotten a whole lot more comfortable with saying, okay, it's going to be more in the middle or a little off to one side or the other. It's not going to be normal. It's not going to be what I perceive as normal. It's going to be over here or over here, but not over here on the tops. So I resonate with that so much. I know time is fast passing and folks are eager saying, okay, we are going to have his links in our show notes. What's one thing you would say if you were to tell someone that is new to managing these remote workers, these cross-cultural workers, where they suddenly say, okay, we can hire someone. 
we can have hire these people in in Ukraine. We can hire these people in in South America, etc. And all of a sudden, their team is is multinational, even though the company is not, the culture is not, and they haven't had international experience managing a remote team like this. As a manager, what would you say are a couple of pointers you'd give in adapting to suddenly their company has become cross-cultural? Well, I teach a whole course on this. The simplest thing that I would say is, I guess, to keep two important things in mind and to keep them both in mind. The first is that these pers- these people or this person comes from a different culture. That culture probably has different standards for behavior, a different code, if you will, for a variety of different situations. So if they act in a certain way that you're not used to, don't attribute it to them, attribute it, or at least be curious about the cultural difference. The second thing that I would say, which is equally important, I guess I'm holding it in both hands because I want it to be a balance, is that acknowledge the cultural difference, but don't be obsessed with the cultural difference. Also get to know this person as a human being because people aren't necessarily 100% products of their culture. There's a tremendous variety uh, of people in any country. They could be more or less cosmopolitan. They could have a variety of different life experiences. They could have a personality and a viewpoint and a mindset that's consistent with the culture that they come from or not so consistent with the culture that they come from. You don't know any of that. And they also have hobbies and interests and passions. And, and, And if you can get to know someone as a person, independent of the culture that they come from, I think that's so important in order to create trust um, in, a, in a really powerful connection. So culture matters, but culture should not matter too much or overly much, I guess is what I would say. That's a great uh, answer. Generalizations, generalizations, yes. <laughs> so kind of a quick question that's, uh, you know, you've, you've obviously dealt with many different cultures, many different people, had many different experiences. You know, for somebody listening to this podcast, what, what can you share with them that might be a you know person, place, or experience that might be overlooked that would help give them that confidence? Something that you would highly recommend that they seek out, maybe perhaps put them out of their comfort zone. But once they, they've gone there, it's going to be a wonderful experience. So something that I've done before, is that what you're saying? Or Yes, a place, a person, place, or experience that you really feel that, you know, help change you that maybe other folks could experience themselves and you know, a perfect example, you know, I, I ran into many years back that nobody wanted, believe it or not, to go to Jordan on a business trip. I raised my hand and then I, I built some extra time for Petra and the Dead Sea. And it came back. It was just a wonderful experience. But everybody's like, oh, that's so far, such an alien culture. And I know it's a little strange, somebody putting food on your plate because the culture is different or holding your hand when you walk. But then you came okay. back there and you realized that that was a wonderful experience and was wonderful people. I see what you're saying. I guess the tip that I would that, that I would say would be, and, and I'm, this isn't a specific person or place, it's more of a strategy. I find that the most valuable and memorable and meaningful experiences I have in different countries when I have personal connections there. I've lived abroad a couple of times myself, but I've also more recently traveled abroad with my family. I have young kids and we've gone to different countries. And I'll tell you that the countries where I have a personal connection, it matters so much. So we so we went to London, for instance, with the kids, my wife and I and, and our kids. And we, you know, we did the London typical 
tourist, but very interesting, you know, activities in London and stuff. But I, I had a friend in London and we went and visited her and we had a barbecue at her house with her husband and her little kids. We got to meet their dog and they actually happened to have this impromptu block party in their neighborhood that we went to. And there was some sort of like fundraising event at their school. And we did all these things in a single evening. And that was a couple of years ago. And that was the single most memorable experience And I think my kids really got so much out of that. They saw themselves in another culture, but of course, not quite themselves. They were able to place themselves in another culture because they saw what was most familiar to them, but done in a different way, which is like family life. It was so tremendously rewarding for them. And then it was an extension for me and my wife. That's what I would say. Personal connections are really wonderful when you're traveling abroad. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. My mind has grabbed several of those nuggets. I've made some good notes and thank you. Where can those listening find you and buy your books, come to hear you speak, et cetera? I'm really easy to find on the internet. (laughs) If you just, I guess the easiest way would be to visit my website, which is, I mean, I don't know if people listening to this will write this down, but it's its my name.com. So it's www.andymolinsky.com is, is probably the best way. You can also Google it and find all sorts of things. I, I've written a lot of articles for Harvard Business Review. That's a good place to start, probably about 60 of them by now. And, and then you can kind of go from there. Fantastic. Well, thank you for, for joining us today. Andy, Really tremendous. And I'll be honest with you, the we most of the times when we ask that question, we get a place that somebody is gone. But I love that you gave us a strategy, which I think is a, a really unique and personal connections is spot on. Andrew Jernigan, I learned a lot today. What did you learn, my friend? I learned I need to start writing more about some of these things that I've experienced. Case studies examples and need to have some one-on-ones with my kids to prep them because these things that he shared, these things that you and I have lived, we need to pass on to others so that they don't make the mistakes that we've made. It's through living these experiences, the things you've done and you've shared with me. I learn as I listen to you. So we need to share our stories. I agree with you. And, And you know what the thing about personal connections is they typically bring you into what might not be considered to be a tourist situation. Like you hear the description of a block party, a neighborhood, spending time with somebody else, how they, how their dog is versus yours at home. I just think that's tremendous. I really endorse that. I also like the Conviction, customization, and clarity example that he gave. So wonderful job today. For our Nomad audience, if you want to hear more, please reach out to us at the newnomad.net or insurednomads.com. We would love it if you would leave a great review and spread the good word on the New Nomad podcast. Please stay well and keep sharing your best adventures with others. We look forward to talking to you again soon. I'll have to say that keep that strategy in mind of making personal connections around the world. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the New Nomad Podcast, where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.